Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, aka IONCAP, and as you can see, no Jeff. We are Jeffless this week. Um, see, uh, we 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 had this whole plan for for the night, uh, but then Jeff came down with consumption. I mean, he never was like specific about what his sickness was but i guess i just assumed it was a old coal miners disease um so for more pre-show banter or in this case pre-show newsapalooza tune into preambling number 34 but now back to the show well uh we are well again um we have been in our bonus series going through uh the statement on theology but without my partner here uh to to bounce off of i, di I didn't want to continue down the series without him uh so we're gonna wait for jeff we're gonna we're gonna wish him uh a quick recovery and hopefully by the time this episode comes out that he is uh i'm sure he's he's recovered from his bout with uh the black lung by now um and and that he is uh he's, he's recovered and he's he's back in the coal mines, um and so uh, but but we're gonna take a look at an article that I'd actually recommended for a preambling for he and I to go through but I, I'm gonna I wanted to 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 take a look at this because it's, it's an issue that like it's become live because I I've started talking about um, catechisms more um here it's not that I I ever didn't believe in catechisms is that I've become a little bit more vocal about it um partly through the podcast partly through just in general and i started using it, it um even as a tool to um to teach my students um at the church because um this year we're we're doing a more practical theme instead of a content based theme but i wanted them to start get to get content somehow and so i'm using uh, kind of a, a memorization challenge of the catechism and of the accompanying scriptures in order to encourage them to do so. Um, but, but there's always like, whenever you bring up catechisms there, there always is a, there's, there's always a pushback, right? Uh, and, and, and it looks a little something like this. This is something that I tweeted, um, a little bit, a little while ago. Um, I said them, why study catechisms and confessions when you have the Bible? That's usually the, what, what they say. Um, something like that. Although I, I, I pointed out the irony and, but, but the, but I want to go deeper into what I meant by this. It said also them. I read our daily bread for my daily devotions and use mass produced Sunday school curriculum for weekly study. And anytime I'm confused about a scripture issue, I go to gotquestions.org. Um, and I, I, in my follow up, I said no shade on gotquestions.org. Just saying, um, y'all got catechisms already. Mine are just older than yours, and that's and that's really what I was meaning by this. I I wasn't I wasn't taking a I wasn't draw uh yeah I wasn't throwing any shade on our daily bread. Although I think like uh I think there's better things like Ligonier's Table Talk, uh, and and certain mass produced and certain Sunday school curriculum are okay. But I was just pointing out a thing. Uh, what I was pointing out was like. Wasn't so much <clears throat> that these other things are bad. I was saying the same logic that you use to read them, I use for using a catechism. 
But like, like that's really what, what, like, okay. So when you, you, when people use our daily bread, usually it's like a text of scripture, maybe large, maybe small, whether it's, you know, in daily devotional, like for me, I use table talk and they do have, they have a daily, um, scripture read through. They're going through, they usually will go through books of the Bible and they will have a text that you're supposed to read on your own. And then there will be kind of a, a day, a write up, um, talking about that and kind of, uh, applying it. And, and, and the reason we do that is because, well, let's just acknowledge that something that, 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 well, okay. Because for the same reason that we also have sermons, right? That, that having someone, proclaim a text to us or, and applying a text to us and, and even explaining a text to us is a value. Like it's going to give us a different angle on the text than we we're used to, or it's going to help us see the way it uh, applies to our lives in a different way. Um, so, so the value of that, but that can be applied to a catechism as well. In fact, I do like, as I mentioned in, in preambling this week, I use, um, I use the Baptist catechism in my daily ca- in my daily devotionals. Um, um, what I love about it is it, it, it focuses me on God. It, it is a great tool for, for, for use in, in, in driving me to repentance and daily repentance and confession because it's going through the, the, because of the way it, it exposits the, the 10 commandments. Um, and also, you know, um, you know, recently, uh, you know, I, I like to spend a, a, de- a good amount of time in prayer because partly because I think it's valuable and partly because I think it's my job. Um, to spend a lot of time in prayer and, um, you know, I've read a couple of books that I've actually talked about in, in the pre-shows, uh, which you can watch by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and providing us with $1 a month. But I, I read a couple of books on prayer recently. And one of the, the common themes in both of them is that prayer is, um, as JC Ryle says, it is the, the first breath of the regenerate heart. Like the, 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 just as the, the newborn breathes oxygen, the newly reborn breathes by prayer. Uh, and then, and then John Calvin defines prayer. And I read this in Michael Reeves book on prayer, um, which I believe is called enjoying your prayer life. Um, that prayer is the chief exercise of faith. And he says, so if you're not praying, it's because you don't have faith. What do you, where do you go for faith? You go to the gospel. Well, the catechisms have a section expositing the gospel and it can remind me of these gospel truths and it, and it stirs up my heart. And then I, I will use a Psalm to prayer to, to pray. So I kind of move from the catechism. Um, you know, it's, it's focusing me on God and on the gospel and on, on confessing my sins. And then I move into a, a Psalm to provide the words for prayer. So that stirs up my heart to pray. And then I pray through the Psalms and then I start applying that Psalm that I'm, I'm memorizing and praying through. I'll, I'll apply that to the different areas that I pray for daily. I've got a list of prayers for myself and for my family going through my children and my, my, my praying for my wife and my children and for my ministries that I'm involved in and for my church's leaders and, and, and things like that. And so, but, but this is, this, but I'm saying like, this is the same reason that they use our daily bread. I use catechisms for, but I trust catechisms more than I trust our daily bread. Now table talk, I trust because they also read catechisms, but, um, but, but these catechisms are tried and true um, devotional tools, but also like I use the, the mass produced Sunday school curriculum because like the people will, 
when, when they want to study the attributes of God, they'll find some Sunday school curriculum to go through or something like that. Or they'll find some book um, in order to do that. Well, I have a catechism. I, that, that's, that's part of the, the use of a catechism is that it is a very quick intro, a very quick, very cursory intro to important topics. And it's a great starting point to going into these topics. And then talking about anytime I have a question about scripture or, or an issue, I go to gotquestions.org. Well, you know what? A lot of those same questions that we bring to gotquestions.org or um, other ministries, I, I know, I think, uh, you know, that you might go to, to, to ask questions. Um, a lot of those same questions are already answered in catechisms. And so, so the reason I, I, I brought this up, and I know it was kind of a funny little quippy thing, but really in, in some ways I'm also saying like, these are all fulfilling, these are all doing what I do with catechisms, but it's, but we're uncomfortable with that word catechism for some reason, even though this is a thing that the church has done from the beginning is that the, is, is doing questions and answer based instruction, the type of thing and, and that type of thing that we've been doing since the beginning of the church. Um, now, of course, like catechisms, it's just a start. You want to get to the point, like, like even um, this, this is why there's a habit um, in many of the reformed churches of preaching through the catechisms is that these catechisms need explanation to go deeper into it. Um, and, and also in some ways, like configuring or, sh- or showing people how the text that it's, uses as proof text connects to the issue. Sometimes that is not as clear. It needs to be explained. And of course, um, the catechisms are very much a cursory care, uh, cursory overview of something. And even the confessions that, that accompany them will go into deeper, uh, detail. And, and of course that's why, and also that there's a reason why these confessional catechetical people also wrote systematic theologies that even the confessions are not their, their purpose is, is to preserve sound doctrine, not to go deep into the issues of the scripture. Um, and so you're uh, of systematic theology. And so you got systematic theologies and, 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 um, expository commentaries that are going to go deeper into specific texts and books. And, and you, you know, all of these are, are toward the point of going deeper, but, but there is like, just, there's something beautiful about the simplicity and yet, um, uh, comprehensiveness of, of these classic catechisms is that they do get into all the matters that matter. All the most important details get covered in these catechisms. Um, and if it's not covered in one catechism, you'll find it in another catechism. So I said I, I do my, I do use the, the Keech catechism as my daily catechism. But I also use, I, I will go uh, on Sundays, um, I will go through uh, the, the uh, an orth- it's called the Unorthodox Catechism, which is the Baptist rewrite of the Heidelberg Catechism. Um, which really is just rewriting a few places where, you know, Baptists are different than uh, continental reformed uh, baby baptizing uh, people are. Um, but, but, but it's, it's, it, but I go through that on Sundays and, and really it's fun because there's, there's places where the Keech catechism doesn't go into as much detail, but then the Orthodox catechism does. And, and so they're very great complementary. Um, catechisms and of course ultimately the goal is to to go deeper into like the confessions and to the systematic theologies and ultimately to be able to just know the scriptures 
Like, you know, the ultimate goal is just to know how the scriptures fit together such that you don't need a tool, but, but it's good to have a tool. Like why, why reinvent the wheel when they, these things exist and, and we know these things, which is why we use our daily bread, Sunday school curriculum and gotquestions.org. We know that there, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. That's why we use these, these resources. And so, and, 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 and all this to say I'm belaboring this point because there was an article in table talk, um, uh, that I found, uh, it was, it was in, um, yeah, it was, it was in table talks. Uh, it was in October's issue. Um, and, and the way table talk works is, uh, Monday through Friday, they do, uh, as I say, they go through a text of, of scripture. They're right now going through Exodus, um, and, and they're in this, the last part of Exodus, the part about the ceremonial law and the tabernacle and stuff like that. And like, this is the part where I, that everyone just skims over, but they're going into such detail and it is so rich and it is so good. Like, did you know that the priests, the material that the priests wear is the same material as the tabernacle is made out of? And, and so, so, and they wear on their shoulders and on their chest stones with the names of the tribes of Israel. So, so the high priest wears, bears the name of it, bears Israel into the presence of God. And then when they leave, they are taking the presence of God with them among the people. Dang. If there's not some Christ connections there, I'm just saying, uh, that'll preach. Um, but they're, they're going through that and, and it's so good. Uh, I can't recommend table talk enough. It's, it's well worth the money. Um, but on the weekends they will do kind of a, um, just a simple write up, like, um, some kind of a topical thing. Um, and it's just, if, it'll cover Saturday and Sunday so that you, you only have to read one article over the weekend. Um, large, probably so that you can focus on whatever you're studying at church. Um, but, but here's, this was from October 22nd. Um, it's called shepherding through catechesis. And, um, and, and I'm probably just going to read it and comment it on the end. Okay. So I'm just going to read it. it. It can found, it can be found at uh table talk magazine, daily study to that slash daily dash studies that slash 2022. I'll put it in the, in the uh, description. Um, <clears throat> but shepherding through catechesis by Barry York, um, who I'm going to skip is the, the president and professor of is president and professor of pastoral theology at reform Presbyterian theological seminary in Pittsburgh, author of the book, hitting your mark, hitting the marks. Um, the subtitle is restoring essential identity. Um, and so I never read the book. I don't know the guy, but I found this article really good uh, to be really good. It says noting the cultural's incessant promotion of LGBTQ lifestyles. Kevin DeYoung stated the world is already promoting is already busy promoting its catechism. The only question is whether we will get busy promoting ours. Given that the world is bombarding us with vain philosophies, shepherding the church through catechizing is as important as ever. To provide clear boundaries and green pastures of truth, elders should prioritize catechizing in the local church. 
Catechesis is a, method, is a method of instruction that involves memorizing doctrinal questions and answers. Two most common catechisms in Reformed churches are the Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which, as I've already mentioned, um, the Baptist versions of those are, respectively, an Orthodox Catechism and the Baptist Catechism, commonly called the Keech Catechism. If you do not have a copy, it's easy to download an app containing them or order copies to be sent to your home. Uh, or I go to reformedreader.org, uh, .org, .com. I don't know. Try both. You'll find it. Uh, if you uh, now with the catechism in hand, what should you know? Catechizing is a historical a historical practice of the church. The records of the New Testament and early church church show a commitment to systematically teaching biblical truths. Luke wrote to Theophilus to give him an orderly account so that he would have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke 1 verse 4. The word Luke uses for taught is katake, from which we get the word catechism. History tells us that the early church prepared converts for membership, calling them catechumens as they instructed them. And this type of language is still actually present in the Eastern Orthodox Church. So if you know, have an Eastern Orthodox Church friend, you would hear them talking about catechumens. At times in history, catechizing has lagged, yet the Reformation saw this practice revived. As hundreds of catechisms were developed in different branches of the church, we should receive and gladly use this heritage of concise, systematic theology. I want to, I'm going to camp out on that because this is, again, this is what's always so funny to me is every time you, you, um, every time you bring up the subject of, uh, of, of there's three things, right? Weekly communion, catechisms, and liter and call and response liturgy. Every time you bring those things up, uh, I, I find just so common. The the immediate retort I'm going to hear very soon after is, "Oh, that's too Catholic." <laughs> Every single time, and yet. <laughs> let's not forget that at the time of the reformation they were doing a latin mass it was the reformers who turned the liturgy into something that the congregation actually could call in response to and actually understand it they didn't get rid of liturgy in fact they just put it in the common tongue and then what else did they do okay so catechisms everybody says it's a catholic thing we were the ones who re who who revived that practice of catechism and also weekly communion. That was Calvin's position. The Catholics didn't have, didn't let the, the common people have communion at all. This is, this is what, this is always so hilarious about, about that uh, objection of like, Oh, that seems too Catholic. Well, man, let me, let me just show you the history. Of course, no one wants to hear that, but yeah. Oh, I just, I just, I just sold the the uh, table talk magazine today. <laughs> it looks like, um, yeah, it's so worth it, Patrick. And 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 uh, I, I like to, I like to share it with my wife after I'm done with, you know, she's about a month behind, but uh, I share, I give it to my wife as soon as I'm done with it. But it's it's so good. It's not just the daily articles. It also has um um some usually has some really substantial articles at the beginning and at the end. Um, sorry, but I'm not selling. Table talk. I'm reading this one. Uh, so let's get back to it. Um, make catechizing part of discipleship. 
Elders can develop fitting catechizing practices for their congregations. Have catechesis as a regular part of the curriculum of Sunday school. Encourage parents to use the catechism in family worship. Feature a question and answer each week in the bulletin. Develop accountability whereby adults listen as children recite. Give recognition and awards to those who successfully memorize the catechism. Like, I think these are all really good ideas. Yet always keep Martin Luther's words in mind. Don't doubt what was said or don't know what was said only, but what was meant. When catechizing, discuss and apply the truths. No doubt about it, catechizing is hard work, yet this discipline can be done with joy and anticipation of seeing its rewards. Revive catechetical preaching. Using catechisms to direct the preaching in evening services is a wonderful practice, faithfully maintained in the Dutch strain of the Reformation. And uh, back when I was in seminary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I attended a very small URC church that had this practice. I attended their, their evening services because of course I was leading worship in, in morning services, but I want, I, I wanted to start getting in the habit of, of sanctifying the Lord's day by going to evening services. Um, and so we, um, we attended this, this wonderful little URC church and they put up with my um, Baptist presence. Uh, and, and I got to hear them preach through the Heidelberg catechism. Um, indeed the Heidelberg catechism is again, is organized into 52 sections to preach his doctrines annually. Um, in the ortho in, in the unorthodox catechism, it's actually into 53 lessons. So there's one extra lesson, um, because they had to correct, um, Heidelberg catechisms, errant, baptismal theology just kidding i love you guys but seriously you should not baptize your babies um <laughs> um it can it can be helpful when this doctrinal preaching is combined with catechetical instruction among households paul told the elders of the church in ephesus that he was teaching them in public and from house to house as the world seeks to catechize us may the church counter it with this ancient practice um it's a simple article. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a simple article, but, but I thought it, it just, it, it very succinctly put this issue that I've been trying to kind of, um, express, um, and just, and maybe not great. Maybe I haven't done it well. I, I just, you know, um, but, 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 uh, Dr. York here, um, very well, argues for the, the use of catechisms in your daily life and in, and in your, um, in churches. This is something where I'm, I'm something like, you know, some, sometimes, um, this is some, some churches I've heard of will actually have kind of a mini exposition of the catechism as part of their worship services. So it's like, instead of a, they'll do a, a full sermon later, but then an, an earlier in the service, they'll do a kind of a short catechetical exposition, like expositing a question and answer of the catechism. Um, and I've, I've, I've often thought of like, you know, there's, there's a, that's a great opportunity to train, um, to train elders in preaching, like without, without giving them the, um, you know, like sometimes, sometimes pastors have this, this, or elders have this, this, um, tension of wanting to, wanting to train young pastors in preaching. And yet, you know, the, the pulpit is, is important and they got to protect that pulpit and so being like so there's a tension of like do i do i put them out there where they might 
fail and misspeak and and then there's there, there might be confusion in the pulpit or confusion in the, the congregation as a result um well, well teaching the catechism is a very low pressure way to to train up um future preachers you know you can you can take that student pastor, that that twenty-something-year-old uh, seminary student who is interning at your church, and you can say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to continue to preach the word weekly, and I'm just going to give you you're going to preach a ten-minute exposition of the Baptist Catechism, question by question. You're just going to follow each question. You're just going to exposit that question. You're going to explain it. You're going to pull it apart in the same way you would exegete a passage. You're going to exegete this, this, this statement, and you're going to bring in the scriptural support in the same way that you would kind of cross-reference a text. And so it's a great way to train them in preaching um, without... Uh, with but being a low pressure thing, so there's that's another benefit I think to to preaching um, the catechism, and then there's just the simple fact that like, um, when Paul talks about preaching the whole counsel of God again in Acts twenty, he talks about how I preach to you the whole counsel of God, and he did it in three years. So so clearly by that he doesn't mean I preached every single text of scripture. So what did he do that he preached the whole counsel of God in three years if he didn't verse by verse exposit the whole of scripture, which at that time was the Old Testament and some of his own letters? <laughs> like, like, uh, what did it mean? Well, clearly he's talking about the whole of what we would call the systematic theology the biblical doctrine, the biblical or the, 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 the gospel doctrines such as you find in Romans, such as you find in the apostles creed, such as you find in, um, which the Heidelberg and Orthodox catechism exposit that line by line. That's part of their catechism is that they, part of the catechism is that they exposit the whole apostles creed and, um, both, both the Heidelberg and the shorter catechism, um, exposit the Lord's prayer to teach them to teach the the catechist about how to how to pray how to pray in line with the lord's will and both of that and, and the both of them exposit the 10 commandments to talk about what is the moral law of god both for believers um as their the will of god for their lives um as a as a measuring stick for for saying yardstick for the sanctification and also as um a means of of driving the unbeliever to um, to repentance and to faith in Jesus. And both of them in their own way exposit that gospel truth of how, of, of the, the person and work of Christ. And you have, um, yeah, you, the, these are, the, these are amazing tools for regularly preaching through the whole counsel of God or teaching through the whole counsel of God. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I would, I would love to see, especially more Baptist churches, um, opening their opening their their doors to these catechetical pro practices to see that they're, they're, this isn't an attempt to move away from God's word but a way of driving people deeper into God's word so that you don't have to like the, because because I've noticed that like this is a big problem is that that um, the churches that don't use catechisms will sometimes like um, get worried about getting bogged down in individual letters and an individual um, 
books like or or like if they wanted to preach through the whole old testament chronologically like they would get worried about that because like if if they feel like they're not covering enough ground then they're not getting to everything or if they they slow down too much they're they're worried that they're going to get too focused on the issue uh the issues of early genesis when when the church needs to hear about things that are in the book of revelation and the book of romans and the book of Matthew and John and they and so so there's this this temptation instead of of being more systematic in their exposition of text to do some more jumping around and to to skim over certain sections because they they don't want to spend like that's that's why people will skim through the second half of Exodus instead of really taking the time to milk those passages for for all it's worth and you have freedom to do more of this verse by verse exposition over a long, long, long period of time because you are regularly getting to the whole counsel of God via the catechisms and uh, and even via the 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 confessions because um which we looked at the the first London Baptist confession last week that also is is broken down into um fifty. I want to say 53 chapters about 50 well 52 chapters two parts of the last chapter um so really 53 weeks you could you could go through week by week through the london ba- the first london baptist confession as well and that would cover the whole council of god as well like like if you were regularly going through these catechisms then you don't have to worry that you're missing something by staying in genesis for a long time or by very carefully, very slowly and methodically working your way through Romans. You know, like you, you, you don't have to worry that you're missing something that's in John or that's in the judges or that's in the, the prophets because you're getting the whole counsel of God, everything that it, that pertains to sound doctrine um, by going through the catechism once a year or, or so, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be legalistic about it, you know, um, but but yeah, I, I think I think this is a modest proposal and a very good one, a very good proposal to by by Doctor York, um, and then very briefly, I want to cover one last topic. I'm not going to go into too much depth on this one because I don't have that much depth to go into. Um, this is another tweet that I had made recently and i want i was going to bring it up in the preambling but i was like i don't know i I kind of wanted to pair it with this catechism question because it's a similar kind of thought um i tweeted this actually or, or last week um i said everybody is talking about prudence as if the bible doesn't have a whole book on that oh nope that's a bad idea so every Everyone is ta- everybody is talking about prudence as if the Bible doesn't have a whole book on that. It's, it's a thought I've had um, recently uh, because I, I've started hearing a lot more of this. This idea that like, hey, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about everything. So sometimes we have to have prudence. And, and there was even like a tweet talking about there's a different like prudence is not pragmatism. Um, <laughs> and it was retweeted by... Um, my theological man crush Joe Rigney. <laughs> um which which whenever that happens, whenever someone I agree I greatly uh admire says something like that, it always makes me go, Okay, am I wrong? 
It always makes me me second guess and think about it. And yet, I, it made me. I really was like thinking about this, and I was like, "No, we like." I I, I wondered if this was so. So basically, I wondered if this was a strike against my scripturalist um, position. But then I stopped and I thought, like, no, 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 no. There's a book on that. There's <laughs> there is a scriptural definition of prudence. There is a book, a whole book dedicated to teaching us prudence. Like, this is not an area where I have to go out of God's word. Like, I don't have to leave God's word to learn wisdom. <laughs> because there is a whole book on that. You know, obviously, like, okay, so yes, there's there's more than one book. But, but there is one book in particular that is focused on specifically the topic of passing on wisdom. Yeah, Ecclesiastes gets into a little bit deeper on a specific topic of wisdom. Job is very heavily wisdom-oriented, except I would say you need a lot of wisdom in order to get the wisdom out of that book because there's a those those speeches. You, you, I think this is a place where you need wisdom to get wisdom, I think, in, in some places of Job. Um, but, but the book of Proverbs is a book on wisdom. And... and and I remember this was something like this was something when I was a, a child and, I, and I, that was often said. And um, I don't know how often it was practiced, but it was often said, you know, hey, you read a chapter a day out of the book of Proverbs, you can get through the whole book in a month. And 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 the and it wasn't just saying that you could do this. It was saying this is probably something you should do. And, and, um, I think the only problem I had with that is that it wasn't often expressed the reason why that mattered. Like for one thing, uh, young men in particular, Proverbs is written to young men in particular. So as a young man, they were telling, telling me I should read the book of Proverbs because I am one of the people that Proverbs is written to specifically. Um, but, but, but really I think this conversation on prudence um, is should be an opportunity. And this is what's kind of concerning me is that in this conversation about prudence, the book of Proverbs is very rarely brought up to say like, okay, so if you want to learn prudence for how to deal with things that the scriptures don't specifically speak to, where do you go to that? Like, like that's not often talked about like, okay, so you just have prudence. Where do I get that prudence? Well, well, Proverbs trains you in prudence. Proverbs trains you in prudence, and and it's um um and and not in some uh and not not and and okay, it does train in prudence in specific situations, but but it does okay. So so the way Proverbs work is. Like I like to go to a secular proverb um, in order to to illustrate the way proverbs work because I think sometimes the fact that the proverbs are in the Bible uh, make us in some uh, in some ways do us a disservice because we expect them to be some kind of ethereal spiritual whatever or we expect to, that we should be able to read them in the same exact way that we read the Book of Romans or the Book of Exodus, um, which you know as as um, brother Jeff. Um, who though absent is present 
through my quoting of him. Uh, Brother Jeff always likes to say, you know, a proverb is not a promise because that's not what they're, they're there for. Their job is not to be like a gospel promise. That's not what Proverbs do. Proverbs, when Proverbs says that wisdom leads to riches, that's not a promise. That's not saying uh, you immerse yourself in, in, in Proverbs, you will be rich. Like that's not what Proverbs do. Nor is it, nor is Proverbs law. You know, it's not, it's not rules. That's not what they are either. That's not how they function. They don't function as a, a legal uh, code. What prudence or, and, um, and wisdom literature is, is it's meant to be like this. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Now, what in the heck does that mean? That means it's better to have the bird that you have, the thing that you have, it's better to have the sure thing than to go after an uncertain thing. So saying, why would you let go of the one bird that you have in your hand on the possibility of getting two in the bush? Why? Because those two are not certainties. You've already got one in your hand. Right? Like, like this is... A, a pro, this is a proverb about um, not taking stupid risks, right? This is this is what what the proverb is supposed to, to to prevent you from doing is from taking a stupid risk. Um, you know, now you're also going to find proverbs that are going to counter that by being like, you know, sometimes holding on to something too tightly is going to uh, prevent you from from getting something better. Like you know, you know, th- there's going to be other proverbs of that to, the, to that extent. But but that's that's the way. Pro- but proverbs aren't meant to be all encompassing. They're meant to give you strategic and specific wisdom. They're meant to be thought exercises that expand your. Your, your your thinking on the subject of, of wisdom um, so so like um, uh, let me just I've got I've, I've, I've been working through some proverbs uh, as part of my daily um, memorization is that I, I memorize um, I try I basically I memorize the first nine chapters of of the book of, of Proverbs and then I've, I'm starting to work through individual proverbs on the way. So okay here a slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich. That's Proverbs 10 verse 4. Now is that saying that always your hard work is going to lead to riches? No, that's not it's not a proverb, it's not a promise. but that is saying generally speaking, if your hand is slack, that is, it's not diligent. It's the opposite of diligent. Then you are probably going to, then you're going to see poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes risk rich. All right, or, or look at this, Proverbs 10, 15. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. <clears throat> now, is this making a moral statement about whether or not it's better to be rich or better to be poor? No, it's not making any kind of a moral statement. In fact, that's kind of what I love about it is that it's not making a moral statement. It's not saying that it's good that the poverty of the poor is their ruin. It's just saying this is the way the world works. (laughs) Like this is the way the world works. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. 
That means when things come upon him, when, when, when threats come upon him, his wealth is what keeps him from going under. Or think about this proverb, Proverbs 10, 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, is that saying that that the you can tell a wise person by the fact that they're incredibly shy and never say a word? No, of course not. There's a time for speaking. But what it is is pointing out this problem of like, if you talk too much, if you're, a, as the Proverbs calls you, a babbler, if you just, just babble on and on and on all the day, then you are more likely to make a slip of the tongue or say something wrong or to fall into a, a, a verbal sin. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And this is one of the things that, that uh, I've seen, I've been trying to put into my, um, into, well, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> it's something that I've tried to make a habit of is instead of talking through my, instead of talking through my thinking, and leaving lots of ums and stutters is trying to slow down and stop and let my brain turn over some words before I move forward. Um, and, and that is something that I'm learning from the Proverbs. It's talking about um, it's, it's okay to let there be silence if the silence is a thoughtful silence. If what you're doing is you're stopping to think about your words before you say them. And that's that's a proverbial that's a prudence thing that I'm learning from that I'm learning from proverbs. Um, let's see, let's find some more. Um, these are all proverbs that I'm I'm working on memorizing in my day to day life. Um, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in, in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a push for you to, to surround yourself with wise people. Um, but then you've also, and you've also got another proverb, um, uh, leave the presence of a fool for there. You do not meet words of knowledge. So saying it's not, don't also be careful about who you associate with. And then, um, in, in chapter, I want to say 22, it talks about how, you know, do not associate with a man given to wrath or go or walk in the way with, uh, or, or walk in, or no, do not associate with a man given to anger, nor walk in the way with a man given to wrath or with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. So saying, be careful about who you take as your counselors. And this is where the prudence starts to work together and the Proverbs start to flow together to, to inform you and start to make you think about not just, I want to have counselors, I want to gather around them, but I need to be careful about who I'm taking advice from. And that's something that I've not always been good at. I've, I've kind of sought wildly disparate advice from, from, from people who, some of whom are wise, some of whom are not, and some of whom who are situationally wise in one area, but not situationally wise in another. And that's sometimes the case as well. Um, and here's a great one. This is a great one. A gracious woman gets honor and violent men get riches. 
but but also this is a place where I think uh, I, I might disagree with the the, the translation because um, the word violent I think maybe is better translated just aggressive men <clears throat> get riches. That's a I think this 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 proverb is a proverb on um the strengths of the genders like there's a sort of the, the 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 way that the way that women get get honor is through graciousness and the way that men attain riches is through aggression and is that saying that one is better than the other well not necessarily but saying like this is the way the, the reality is if if a man if if you want if you want to be a man who who gains wealth you have to be a little aggressive like it's not making a moral statement on that. It's just saying this is how how you do it. Again, that's what proverb is. Proverbs is it's not saying it's not making a moral statement. Some types of aggression are going to be immoral. Uh, you know, obviously aggression. I'm, I'm I'm meaning in a sense of not in the sense of committing violence the way libertarians use the word aggression, um, but but like aggressiveness about uh, uh, pushing forward some types of that is going to be aggressive uh, is it going to be immoral like stomping on someone to accomplish that and yet even in the case of stomp stomping on another person it might get you riches um but other types of aggressiveness you 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 can be aggressive and not stomp on other people and that's that's a more moral way to do it so you can be moral and still fulfill the the proverb but but yeah i think it's interesting or or uh think about this Proverbs eleven twenty two, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Like what? Why is that there? Like remember, this is written to young men who are looking for a wife. What kind of wife should you look for? And that's why you also have another proverb: um, better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. So thinking about what kind of wife you're going to make, because like, think about the think long term. like, look at, look at the, the woman you are dating or pursuing and being like, is she a quarrelsome wife? Is she a, dis, a, a wife with discretion? Is she going to spill all your, your business? Is she going to gossip to about, about you to others? Um, and a gossip about everything is, or is she going to, is she going to be on your side? You know? Um, and, and of course the Proverbs 31 woman, like she's, she's very active in supporting the business that, uh, of, of, of the, of her husband, you know, like there's, um, she's, she's, there's no, pa there's not a lot of passiveness in that, in that woman. She's, she's a, you know, she's a boss lady. Um, or think about, or, or this better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. Like that's a, that's, that's, that's about, um, yeah, better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack of bread. Like, do you want to be seen as a great, important man, uh, and then blow all of your riches and then suddenly you are destitute, but you're still playing the great man part, or would you rather look, be humble and have someone alongside you to help serve you? Like that's, um, and then there's another one that's coming to my mind that that uh, I, I can't remember which chapter it's in. <clears throat> um, uh, something, something to the extent I'm I'm, I'm playing on the exact words like a a cheerful. Uh, it's it's um. 
Oh, shoot. I'm seeing if I can find it quick. I don't want to. Um, uh, oh, shoot. No, I'm not going to find it. Um, but something like. Um, uh, a, 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 to the, af to the afflicted every day is evil, but the cheerful heart has, but one with a cheerful heart has a continual feast. It basically gets to the, this idea of like, of, of like your attitude matters of like the, the way your outlook of life is like, like if you have an internal joy, then your external circumstances are not going to feel as weighty. Like there's like, like this, this is an observation that you find in sometimes, you know, Tony Robbins style, um, uh, self-help, but, but that's a proverbial truth. Like that, that your, your attitude matters about as much as the, your circumstances. Um, or, or this Proverbs 23. Uh, it is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. That's a that's a good reminder for those of us who like to be, you know, who are who are into the contending for the faith thing. Is like, man, like, but remember, every fool will be quarreling. Like, uh, it's sometimes it's a good idea to just keep aloof from strife. Um, now, of course, it's not a, you know. There are other texts about contending for the faith, and we got to we got to balance that. But yeah, um, but then I've got another one. I, I can't. I'm, I'm, uh, see, since I'm since I I use an app for memorization, some of them come come to my mind. Just, but I don't always remember the the reference. But um, it, there's there's one that says the crucibles for silver, and the the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests man's hearts. So that's a, that's like in chapter 17 or something like that. And um, it's talking about the way, the reason why testing comes, the reason why testing comes is for the same reason that a crucible and a furnace are used on gold and silver, which is, it's not testing it in the sense of it's, it's testing it in the sense of purifying it. And showing what is there underneath, burning away the um, the impurities, and that's why the Lord tests us. And the Lord's testing of us is not for the purpose of of testing. It's not like the Lord needs to find something out. Um, really, we're the only ones who need to, to find something out. We're the ones who the Lord, by testing us, is showing us that He's at work in us, and that something is happening. And he's burning away the impurities. Um, and but then there's a, a parallel for it. Uh, parallel phrased proverb that says um, the furnace is for silver and the um, or the 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 crucibles for silver and the furnace is for gold and a man is tested by his praise man I'm isn't that an amazing one like to be like think about like how do you respond when someone praises you how do you respond when someone says really good things about you? Cause man, like I find that that is the time when I need to stop, get out of the room and pray the most. I'll tell you what, man, this, we just got out of October. October is called pastors appreciation month. 
also known as Pastors Inflamed Pride Month. My goodness. It is like I'm not saying that's a bad thing to to show appreciation to your pastors. Like I'm just, it's great. Um a lot of pastors go largely unappreciated. Um I don't feel that way, but a lot of pastors I know that that they they work hard and they never feel like they're appreciated. But man, if ever there's a month where it's easy to to fall for your own press, man, you get tested by your praise constantly. People are constantly writing letters to me, um, writing little notes to me, emails to me, talking about how oh, they appreciate that I do this and this and this. And it's so easy in that moment to be like, yes, aren't I awesome? Why aren't you guys paying me more? You know, <laughs> like it's so easy to, to, to fall into that, to, 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 to fall for your own press. But like that, that saying like that, to, to see those moments of, of being praised to, to, as like, that's a time of testing to see like that's the way you find out what you're met, what you're made of in the same way that the Lord is testing you to burn away the purities and to, to, to show you what he's doing underneath the praises of others is a way to uh, test who you are. How do you respond? How does that feel? Did it feel a little too good? You might want to pray about that. And I, I sometimes have to do that. I do sometimes have to like set the set the letter down because sometimes I read the letter and I'm like, I'm really having a hard day and I really needed that. I really needed that encouragement. Sometimes I need to set it down and and, and pray away and pray against my pride because it, he it's it's awakening something in me. <clears throat> and then there's a, another proverb in that same chapter. When you find that chapter, there's another proverb. Um, Let another praise you and not your own mouth a stranger and not your own lips. And that's of course, reminding you that you should not be the one providing your own praise. Um, and, and if more politicians, uh, owned that proverb, we'd probably, um, be in a better place. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say. This is the two subjects of catechism and on prudence. I think, um, if we want, if we want to become more prudent, wise people, in order to deal with issues where issues that that do go beyond what is strictly written down in Scripture, um, I think we do well to get back into careful study, careful daily study of the Proverbs. I think we do wise to spend daily time in that pro in the Proverbs, in the same way that we spend daily time in uh, that we should spend daily time in the Gospel. We should spend daily time in prudence and prudential wisdom, um, literature and, and, and I, and I, and I would advocate a type of reading the Proverbs where you're not just skimming chapters, but you are letting individual Proverbs rise to the top and maybe even focusing on, you know, maybe every chapter you pick one proverb that you're like, I'm just going to carry this with me today. I'm going to try and I'm going to maybe, maybe set an alarm to remind me of this proverb throughout the day. And, and um, I'm going to really chew on this one um, and see what the Lord is going to, to how the Lord is going to inform me and, and teach me through this proverb. <clears throat> so that's all I have to say. Catechize your people, be catechized yourself, catechize yourself. Like people talk about preaching the gospel yourself. Well, the easiest way to do that, grab a catechism. Um, catechize yourself, 
drink deeply of the biblical prudential wisdom so that we can have um, prudence in our day-to-day lives. And, um, and then also like subscribe, share five star, all the stuff. Um, if you wouldn't be, if you would be so kind, if you're an audio listener to go over to our YouTube channel and subscribe again, this is something that I'm trying to push really hard is subscribe to our YouTube so that we can mirror on, 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 um, on Odyssey. I, I really particularly want to get, I, I really, really, really want to get our, our back, um, catalog on Odyssey and, um, if I have to, if this really does, if if you if y'all really don't think we're worth following, I understand. I understand. Um, and we, uh, I'll 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 upload it all and stuff the the hand, by hand. But I would really like it if you could if you could do that, then we can mirror our channel on Odyssey, and then we can upload on both places. So that if if YouTube doesn't get bought out by Elon Musk, then we can still have our our video catalog saved. <clears throat> Um, but of course, you know, also you can support us by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and donating $1 a month. It is a, um, great way to, um, encourage that also is encouragement to us and also that it's, um, ways that we can kind of, yeah, just supporting us, um, with your dollars and, um, and of course, most importantly, join us again next week when we, and I do mean we. Because next week I will be rejoined by my partner in crime, uh, Jeff Park. <clears throat> so we're so join us again next week when we take Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. <laughs>